Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. But it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Can I get you to introduce yourself so I can check your microphone? Hi, my name is Chris Logan, and I'm a Code Monkey. And an excellent Code Monkey you are. It's 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 this is really the first interview people are going to hear because you were on we did an episode of the Make It So podcast that was eaten by my computer before I got upgraded software. So yep. <laughs> it's a shame because it was a great episode and this is really the first chance that everybody's going to have to 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 get to hear you and and get to know a little about you. So why don't you tell us all a little bit about your history with the game and the continuing committee and kind of what you do for us. Well, I've been around long enough that I'm sure a few people out there already know me by now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been playing the game pretty much since the month it came out, I think. Um, I got involved at an organized play level when I went to university, which would have been uh, 97. Um, and that was about when I found organized play and immediately applied to be an ambassador and was told, well, I need to run some tournaments first. So I started organizing tournaments around my university and became an ambassador shortly after that. And I've been going, volunteering for the game ever since, basically. Um, I think I've organized over my time one of the largest events, and I'm pretty sure at least the largest non-championship event at this point, uh, 50 players just for a local get-together basically, well, a little more than local it was sort of like a regional, except they didn't have sanctioned regionals back then um, and then I think I've also run one of the longest events um, I did a, a two-week event over um, New Year's uh, year 2000 New Year's I had people come in, I think 20 people in total came in from all around the U.S. and a couple from England and Germany, a few from Sweden, and uh, stayed at the camp for two weeks and played a tournament every day and had a, a great time. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it certainly was, uh, back when we all had more time and money to do things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, no, not not so possible to do that kind of thing these days, at least for me, but uh, it was it was good times then. Um, that was the heyday, too, of yeah, exactly. the game when it was at its peak, and then the industry was at its peak, and people had more money than they knew what to do with, and <laughs> we were all still in college, so... Well, I think that, that was a large part of it, too, yeah, is that the sort of, what appears to be the core demographic, um, I think you and I are both pretty much dead center of it, because um, at least 50, 60% of the gamers I meet are within a year age of us, 
and uh, so yeah, we were all in, in University of College at that point, just finishing up and uh, had lots of time and money and no common sense, so we could do things like that. But, uh, yeah, and it's it's pretty impressive that so many of the people in our age group are still playing as much as they are. Um, oh, yeah, especially recently when we've been starting to see some of them coming back to the game. It's fantastic. But uh, anyway, from there, I uh, well, around that time, I guess I was involved heavily in another website very much like what Continuing Committee is now, um, except running co- concurrently with the Cypher. Um, so I was doing a lot of volunteering online, and I was actually doing a lot of programming there. I was in almost the same position I'm in now as well, um, programming chat rooms and forums and tools to play online sealed deck tournaments and things like that. Um, and then when that site eventually collapsed onto itself, I uh, shortly after that, I guess I became a uh, message board moderator on Decipher's boards. Um, so continuing my online volunteering there, um, and then, so when Decipher stopped running Star Trek, I, uh, nagged you enough to let me be a message board moderator on your forums as well, and from there I think I just sort of weaseled my way in to gradually asking for more and more access until eventually I was programming the whole site. <laughs> right, because, well, at the time, I, it was... I hacked something together real quick from, I had a, I ran a site toward the last like four years of the game, 10 forward. It was, that's the card database we're using for better or for worse is, is the same database that was created for that site. Well, the two E databases. The two E database. Yeah. The one you built from scratch, but, uh, I was doing family and work and, all the other chairman stuff and trying to build the website and it just wasn't working. And you, 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 you finally were like, I got time and I can do this. And I was like, okay, here, have it. And that was the best, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, oh, see, what you don't know is that at the time I said that, I had never written a single PHP script in my life. Nice. So I was a complete amateur going in and I uh, just sort of learned as I went. So, well, you've clearly surpassed me in ability. It, it was, I mean, I, if I was programming every day, I'm sure it would be different, but, you know, I'm not, I don't have time to program really anymore. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I do, yeah, but. I mean, I, I, I've never done PHP before. I shouldn't say I've done programming before, obviously, because I've done a lot yeah. um, on various other languages and generally pick up languages pretty well because, you know, they're all the same at the core, right? So. Once you know the basics of programming, it's just learning a new, new keywords and whatever. And so, yeah, I, uh, so I gradually weaseled my way, in, my way into my position. And, uh, yeah, so now I program most of what you see on the forums, with the, uh, on the website, with the exception of the Tui database, which, as you say, was your, your baby from long ago. I think she's probably due for the, Overhaul it at some point here. I, I I know that that's on our list, but we've got yep. other other priorities, including the recently released One E Deck Builder. And yes. I'm I'm thinking that by the time this episode goes up, people will be printing virtual cards. Uh, so yes. tell us a little bit about that, because that was a long time coming, and I know it was part of it was finding the time to work on it, but there were some mm-hmm. different interesting challenges on that project and. 
Tell everybody yeah. a little bit about it. Well, the 1E deck built is started with the 1E database, basically. Because, um, like you say, you had the 2E database already there um, when I came on board, but there was nothing for 1E at all. And uh, 1E obviously has its own set of challenges over 2E. Um, the cards weren't, you know, there's no call, call well, there are keywords, but they're not called out as well. Um, there's, you know, a lot more icons, different some of them have, uh, I don't know, different icons do different things sometimes, so sometimes they're just there for reference. Um, you know, a lot of different lore references or carry classifications, like whether something's a mission specialist or support personnel. Um, so there's there's a lot more information that needs to be tracked, basically, for 1E. And uh, so actually when I started working on it, I, did, I, I didn't build it from scratch. I did get, um, I think it was a... Uh, a copy of the Lackey database that had been going, that somebody else had built at that point, and I'm not even going to try to say who built it, because I think it's been through three or four different owners by now, so I don't know who the original was, but I'm sure somebody out there can tell us. Um, but yeah, so I got my hands on a copy of the Lackey database, and imported that information, and then had to reformat all of it, and sort of gradually massage it into the form that I wanted um, to be able to handle all the data in the way I wanted to handle it, which involved mo moving a lot of things around, and then a lot of the data was incomplete or incorrect. Um, so I guess the first thing, or one of the first things I did after I built the database was I built the edit database editing tool, um, and actually uh, invited the community at large to help with that project, because, you know, with 2,500, 2, I think we're up to 3,200 3, or 3,400 cards, whatever it is in the database, that's a lot of work, a lot of stuff to look at. No kidding. So uh, I enlisted the community's help to go through and start proofreading, um, rearranging some of the information. I think myself, I ended up looking at most of the cards anyway, just to make sure the information was and people were putting it in the right place and everything was the way I wanted it to be. Um, but at least by getting other people to look at it as well, I didn't have to worry about overlooking something and I didn't have to worry about typing in every single line of lore myself. So the people did that and I just sort of took a quick glance at it to make sure it looked right. Um, make sure my spell checker didn't bug out at me. Besides the obvious complaints about things like Romulan and Klingon. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, so we, we eventually got that massaged into into a shape that I wanted it to be in, and then I was finally able to, I guess I built the search engine for it next, um, which was the, the main thing, was then being able to go back and access all that data. Um, so, and the search engine is built uh, very modular, so, which which really helps because you know every time they release new code, it's probably going to be a new keyword that's called out or a new piece of information. All of a sudden, we care about. Um, so it's built modular enough, at least that you know I can basically go and put in one new line of code, and it'll account for everything. I don't have to reprogram everything from scratch when they add something, um, which should be nice as we go forward into the future. Yeah. Um, and then. After that, the 
next challenge with actually building the deck builder was when I realized that we have at the moment, I think, um, 10 different card boxes, basically 10 different ways that cards can be listed on your deck, on your deck list. Um, so you you're, can, you're talking like seed cards in your yeah, deck. You've got, yeah. Your, you know, your six mission slots, you've got 30 seed slots, you've got 30 or more draw cards, you've got up to 13 Q10, you've got an unlimited number of Q flash, an unlimited number of Battle Bridge side deck, an unlimited number of uh, storage compartment door, the triple side deck. Um, outside the game is as unusual as it sounds, uh, a actual card box we need to care about. Um, For sites and stuff like that? Oh yeah, sites is yeah. a different... Oh, sites is different, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess technically outside the game is one that we don't have to care about, but I wanted to include it anyway so that you know, if you're stalking Montana Missile Complex, you can remember to bring your Phoenix with you. So right. you put your Phoenix in your outside the game box. Um, and it does print on the card list, which technically doesn't have, or I guess it doesn't yet, but it probably will. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's something you don't really have to care about, but for convenience sake, when you're gathering up your cards or printing out your cards, um, it's something you need to make sure you remember. Uh, the things that download from outside the game, like the Phoenix, the Montana Missile Complex. Um, so it's we decided to include it as a as a card container in there. So, uh, yeah, but having to deal with 10 different card containers required, that meant, basically meant that I couldn't just pour it over the uh, 2E deck builder. Because the 2E deck builder, behind this, uh, it looks like it has three card containers, your missions, your, your dilemma pile, and your uh, draw deck. But behind the scenes, it's actually one card container. It's just because everything this is in your deck, and then when it loads it up, it looks and says if that's a mission, it obviously goes in your mission pile. If it's a dilemma, it obviously goes in your dilemma pile. Otherwise, it obviously goes in your draw deck. The the sub the compartments are defined based on the code type, so we don't care. We don't have to remember where we put them because we know we can figure out where they have to have been put. Um, so it doesn't care about card containers at all. Whereas in 1E, you know, you can have an event in your draw deck, or you can have an event in your Q tent, or you can have an event in your seed deck if it's seedable. Um, you might have an event that you're downloading from outside the game for some reason. There's a lot of places a lot of things can go. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, you know, I guess sites can only go one place. Uh, tactics, tribbles, and troubles. Um, but a, a good example, well I guess, limited, is but, dilemmas, because you could put a dilemma in your queues tent to download. You can, you, so. you can put a dilemma in your deck. Yeah. Cards like uh, Tiona downloads, the, what is it called, Kazan Bomb. Um, he downloads it from your deck as an interrupt, but it's a dilemma that you can put in your deck for the purposes of him. Yep. So, yeah, you, we can't define anything based on cards. Like, is it the, there's a couple that we could, but those would be the exceptions to the rules, so it's not even worth looking at. Instead, we just have to... So so I had to uh, basically redesign the the deck builder from the ground up to accommodate all those things. Made it a little harder than simply copying over the same code, but at the same time, it uh, gave me a chance to make a lot of improvements to the code, and uh, things like the advanced search feature 
um, that I had been planning from the beginning, basically, once I built the search window uh, for 1E. I figured, you know what, okay, let's, you know, there's no reason not to incorporate this straight in into the deck builder, because, you know, it's the type of thing when you're building your deck, especially in 1E, you say, okay, I'm putting in the Office of the President. Now, I don't remember who's an ambassador that can report there. Key in your advanced search, you got it. Yeah. It's, the 1E deck builder has certainly made it easier for me to remember how to build 1E decks, just having that <laughs> tool there, because... You know, I played a long time ago and then stopped for a while, and I'm I'm definitely getting back into it. But it's like I don't remember how to do this, and it it makes it. I actually love the the on the, in the, just in the database when you're on the card list where you're looking through cards, and if a card special downloads, that's a link, and you just click on it, and it tells you what it is. That's that's amazing. That's uh, good work. <laughs> yeah, that that was something inspired by uh, Wikipedia. If if you're an editor on Wikipedia, you'll recognize the, the code behind that, or at least the principal code behind that, where you just put any words you want in curly brackets, and it uh, automatically turns it into a hot link to the appropriate place um, to make it, like you say, in, in 1E, where there's a lot of codes that name other codes. Um, I, I find that really convenient. I mean, a lot of programming the 1E deck builder, like I used to be a huge 1E player, and I haven't It's it's a brilliant piece of software. In in fact, most of the stuff on our site is pretty darn cool. Um, from the promenade to the tournament system to their deck builders. What what uh, which of the things have you that you've written was your are you like the most proud of oh. that you've worked on? <laughs> I, I guess yeah. in terms of it was you like ask the father to pick his favorite child. That's what you're saying. I, I guess what I'm saying is which one was like the biggest breakthrough for you in really understanding what you were after and, you know, or you had that, that aha moment where you went from, I'm really struggling on this to this is perfect. And then it went from something you hated working on to one of the most useful tools we have. Was there anything like that for you or was it all just fun? I, I say pretty much it's all just fun. Like everything, like when I, when I look through all of the tools and stuff I built, you know, I think, I, I like all of them for different reasons, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like the uh, the article engine is probably one of the most overlooked as a tool because most people don't see the interactivity of it. It's all behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, that was, I think, the first thing I wrote for the site, basically. So I was still learning PHP, basically, as I went. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that because it's my first real program I wrote in PHP. Uh, the tournament engine, definitely, because... It's that was my first major project. Um, I think pretty much when I finished the article engine, I took that over from you because you've been struggling with it for a while, and uh, like I just sort of sat down and knocked out the core of it in like a weekend, and then 
kept going and like every night I would add some new functionality here, some new functionality there. You know, it was just, uh, and because it was something that the public had been waiting for for so long, the whole community was eager for it. Uh, I was really feeding off of their energy, uh, which really helped, you know, it really made it a lot of fun that, you know, every time I finish something else and put it into testing and somebody else, you know, I get four more suggestions. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if it did this? Wouldn't it be cool if it did that? And like, hey, sure, that sounds fun. Let's do that. Yeah. And uh, so I was really feeding off the energy every time someone suggested something, you know, two days later, or sometimes half an hour later, I would have it knocked out just because it, I was having so much fun going through knocking stuff out like that. Um, so what you're saying is that I owe you a miracle worker skill pad button. That's what you're saying. If you can get one printed up, I'll take it. Absolutely. And about um, and a dozen programming badges. There you go. Yeah, no, what else? I mean, the, the promenade, I mean, it, it does a lot of cool stuff, but that one, not, not that I'm going to say I don't like it, but it was more of a functional need and less, it doesn't do as much fun stuff, I guess, from my point of view. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the fact that all the fun stuff it does, Dan is the only one that sees it, so it's harder to appreciate. I don't get that same feedback energy from people. Like, a lot, a lot of my program, I think, really goes on, on getting that energy, getting the, the positive feedback from everybody, getting the suggestions from everybody, and that's what really drives me. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other one I really enjoyed for entirely different reasons was the, uh, the, the seal deck, what do we call it? Infinite, infinite diversity. diversity. Yeah. That's the one. The infinite diversity deck generator. Because that just, that, that was my mathematician side, just loved that one. Because the amount of time that me and I think James was the other one, um, and a few other people you were involved, I know, and a couple other guys, but I think it was mainly me and James just sitting and knocking percentages and formulas and odds and calculations and stuff back and forth, um, trying to get just the perfect blend of cards in every single pack. Um, to make it so that you could sit down with five, six packs, whatever it is, and and you'd have a, a playable, is it six packs plus the missions, um, and you'd have be able to draft a playable deck out of it. Um, and so someday we joked about it at the time we were doing it, and I think probably not yet, but someday we still want to hold the contest and see if anybody can actually figure out the formulas, the odds that go into generating those packs just because I don't think anyone will ever be able to do it that does wasn't privy to those conversations. Oh yeah, it's it's I was privy to those conversations and I don't think I understand it. <laughs> I, I do remember there was a there was a period of time when we were working on it and the testers were testing it where we kept getting this report that it would just lock up and sit there forever. And and we couldn't figure out why. And then you came in one day and there was this big digital smile on your face because you'd finally figured out that it was messing up because it kept trying to generate a, a next generation ship and yeah, there I wasn't one. Was, <laughs> I, forget, I think I was going to say, I don't remember what category it is, but now that you say it, I think it, it was a next gen. It was more specific than that, though. I think it was trying to create a next gen virtual ship. Yeah, because there were printable ones, were, but no were, virtual yeah. ones. And so we were scrambling, running around, trying to figure out, oh, my God, we need to figure out a next generation ship for infinite diversity, which had been almost done at this point. 
Yeah. And some I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, "Why don't we just make the Dauntless count?" Yeah, and, and that so, was exactly it. Is so now, <laughs> yeah, here's a hint: to anyone who's going to try to figure out the formulas after this podcast, behind the scenes, the Dauntless is now a next gen ship and a Klingon ship and a Romulan ship and every other affiliation out there. Uh, if if that helps with your your calculation, I just well. the only reason I remember that is because when we ran the drafts at Gen Con, somebody commented on how the Dauntless seems to show up a lot, and it does. <laughs> and there is a reason for that. Speaking of infinite diversity, actually, I was just thinking recently, and somebody had actually asked on the boards like a day or two after I thought it, but I think it's almost time to do another contest or another poll and see what the next infinite diversity theme pack will be. Excellent. So I have think by the, time for... this, by the time this is posted, they very, may very well have that poll going, right? And uh, we'll let people have a say in uh, what theme they want next. Right now we have Classic Next Generation, and we have uh, Dominion War. So Someday we're going to have to put our heads together with the playtesters and figure out a way to put Voyager and or Equinox in the draft. To make it work, but yeah. But for now, I, I mean, yeah, it, it'd be nice to have a third option going into regional season next year, and, and I think that's great that we're going to get the community involved. So, if that poll is up when the show goes up, I will put a link to it in our show notes. So yep, you can... I think I think uh, yeah, it should be up by then, because that way we can try to get the uh, the new set of the new theme pack released sometime around. December and time for Christmas, and then, yeah, next year, going into the uh, regionals and stuff, if people want a third option to play, if they're already getting tired of the two that are out there, then they'll have it, or if you're running a really big event, then, you know, want to have one draft part of each theme. Excellent. So... Real quick, we, we were talking about you're building all the software. Um, yes. Right Right now, we're running the organized play discussion series talking yes. about you know all the different things that came up over the past year and soliciting community input is that going to make your life really hard if we end <laughs> up changing some tiebreakers or no no um nothing i've been i've been participating that much in those but i have been keeping an eye on them and nothing that i have seen so far is going to make or break me um the, uh, the the tiebreakers are all perfectly doable. Um, now, is uh, this here's a, here's a um, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your thoughts, but is this something that we're going to we're probably going to have to say all events after such and such a date are run using the new system? Yes, and everything before would be run using the old system. So this isn't going to be retroactive back to day one. Is, is that going to make it harder for you? I assume not. No. Um, well, no. It just means adding one extra condition in there somewhere saying, you know, if the tournament date is after January 1st, 2011, then use this system. Otherwise, use this system. Um, you know, it's not, not that much extra complicated, I think. it's. Uh, I always prefer not to put in exceptions like that into my programming but you know when it has to happen it has to happen and with something like this obviously we don't want to retroactively start changing tournament results or anything so yeah 
we have a new organized play program coming in 2011. Mm-hmm. And it should be something that's very familiar to people who play on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network or play World of Warcraft. This is the achievement system. Uh, the achievement system is sort of a casual way to reward you for playing and trying different things. And all the information on this has been talked about at this point. We'll put some links in the show notes. But the idea is you might go to a tournament and play a Bajoran deck. And if you've never played a Bajoran deck before, when you the tournament results get entered into the system, you log back on the site and you get a message saying you've unlocked an achievement. You know, play some some name, play Bajorans in a tournament. And then the next level of that would be win a tournament with Bajorans. And then even even something along the lines of win five tournaments with Bajorans. And if you get to those type of levels of achievements, maybe you get a little special prize of some sort. We're still kind of working on the details. But I, what I want to talk to you about is getting this system put onto our website and into the game. What type mm-hmm. of obstacles and challenges are you going to have to tackle implementing the system over the next month or two? Uh, well, I, I've been, we've been discussing this internally, obviously, for a few months now. I think you brought it to us shortly after Gen Con, didn't you? Yeah, it, it's something I'd actually wanted to do a year ago. But it, we just got said it wasn't a high priority. But yeah. now that we're fully supporting one E and, and we have the one, and I was also waiting for the one E deck builder because right, right. having to put your decks into the system is an, is a requirement of this achievement system. Yes. Once all the pieces started falling into place, now was the right time to do it. But yeah, I we we've been planning it since September or August for sure. So, so yeah, we've been tossing ideas around and stuff, obviously, and uh, I mean. I think a lot of the sort of foundations at least appear to be there with things like we've got the badges, um, the the tournament system, and the deck builder, as you say, uh, will definitely be heavily involved. Um, it's just trying to figure out how to bring it all together and how to um, reward the achievements and from a back-end perspective, I still haven't figured out exactly what the best way to do that is like i've got a couple ideas but my main issue at this point is figuring out what the most uh i guess computer friendly way to do it is it's not going to completely overwhelm the server every time somebody enters a a tournament or every time you know during the nightly maintenance job or anything we don't want to completely bog down the server um so i still haven't figured out yet what what the friendliest way to do that is um, but uh, luckily at least like I said a lot of the a lot of the pieces are there already it's just going to be a matter of trying to bring them all together um, make them all play nice and uh, and hopefully have them all play nice with the processor right so, so some of these achievements and we really haven't revealed a lot of information about this so some of these achievements are simple like there's one here called uh, deck builder which means all you have to do is, is post a public deck in the deck builder. Really simple stuff. There, there's even one that says, uh, you know, on the map, I've I've put my information into the tournament system. So there's some really simple stuff in here. 
there's also some really crazy, complicated ones. Like, uh, there's an achievement called 15 Down and None to Go, which says, play a sanction, play in sanctioned tournaments using every second edition headquarters mission and no headquarters at least once. So you have to, in your, in your career, have play, play, every, single play every single headquarters. And there's a first edition equivalent. There's, there's, uh, oh, I'm just looking through this gigantic list here. There's achievements for earning ratings. There's achievements for playing in, in world championship Trek leagues. Uh, yep. There's and achievements. There's a lot of achievements that we're not going to say anything about at all, and people have to find them themselves. Absolutely, which is half the fun. Um, there's a, there's one in here for playing weird combinations. So there's uh, one called Ragtag Fleet, which is win a tournament with a Klingon deck without using any Klingon ships. So there's a lot of... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting one. Yes, there are degrees of... Yeah. Of difficulty to this, so yeah, this is a huge project, obviously, and with between this and, and printing the one deck builder and and maintaining all the code on the site and your impending arrival of your third child, you, you're you're being pulled in a lot of directions. So, do we need to get you some help? And is there anything that people in the community can do to help you out? Well, yeah, I uh, I have actually been thinking. Along the same lines recently, uh, especially because, uh, yeah, a lot of the time I had been using towards the site has recently gotten much busier than it had been. So uh, yeah, I'm not not having as much time as I used to. Plus now I've got, as you say, added uh, responsibilities at home and uh, and the extra things like this coming on the site. So yeah, I think I'll be probably starting to recruit one or two people um, to help and the, the achievement system is actually one area where I will probably see if I can bring in somebody specifically to help with it so that way we can have one person code it from start to finish now what and, you, know, you, you and I obviously will give input to it and I'll still be involved the entire way along because I know all the all the other systems, they like say, it'll, the achievements will be working closely with the deck builder and the uh, the two deck builders and the tournament system. So, and since I know them inside and out, I'll be working along right along with whoever. But uh, I will probably be getting somebody else to do a lot of the core programming for the achievements. Now, what what qualifications would you ask for in a volunteer to work on our on our code for us? Uh, somebody that knows code. And I know it sounds a little hypocritical for me to say that after I just finished admitting I didn't know any PHP when I started. But in this case, I would prefer somebody that does already know some PHP. Mm -hmm. uh, preferably, especially since we're going to be probably throwing them straight into this fairly large task. Um, somebody who's fairly comfortable in it. Um, and... Most importantly, I would say somebody that has time, because that's you know the main thing I'm missing right now, and the reason I'm not going to be doing much of it myself is because I don't have time, so it doesn't do us any good to have me bringing on somebody else that also doesn't have time, because then they're not going to really be helping. So I would say those are the, the main two things, you know, so that's familiar with PHP, uh, knows what they're doing, is willing to do some black box programming, at least initially, because uh, I'll just be telling you how some things work and then expecting you to see what you can give me back for it. And uh, someone's got, you know, at least 
three to five hours a week that they can spend, you know, evenings or weekends or whatever, um, writing some code for the site. All right. And if, if somebody out there listening wants to volunteer, how should they contact you? Um, through the website, you go to my profile named Mailwise, M-A-E-L-W-Y-S, and uh, click on PM or email links from there. Either one will get to me. Outstanding. Overall, you don't participate in our uh, lengthy back and forth on the on the boards a lot, mostly probably because you're either busy or the moderator, but uh, is there anything that you would do differently for the continuing committee now in hindsight that we've done over the last couple of years, or do you think we're on the right track? To, I mean, tell everybody what, how you think we're doing uh, serving the game. Um, I think we're doing fantastic. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm doing when I have time to do it still. Um, I think everything that we've got up there is fantastic. You know, as far as things to do differently, I start supporting one year a little sooner. Um, yeah, but, I, I agree on that one. Uh, you know, we we're working with what we had. At the beginning, we had a group of 2E players, so obviously we weren't going to do a lot of 2E support. Um, aside from that, I, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job. And in no small part, thanks to you, because uh, you you have made these tools, these wonderful applications that everybody loves. And, in fact, I know that we have we have numerous other groups that have solicited us to get your code and mm-hmm. you know we've basically been like sorry not unless you <laughs> you know pay us or, or, or pay yeah, you yeah, but... uh and we, we've we've been complimented more than once from from professional game companies on the quality of our site so it speaks very highly for you yeah. and, and johnny so thank you i, I want to take this yeah, opportunity okay. to thank you on behalf of the entire community so and i wouldn't do it if i didn't enjoy it isn't that the truth so one last thing I want to do with you is a random card review. I have a, you know what? I'm going to get a one e deck. We've been doing two e oh. cards lately. Let me get a one e card here. I was just opening up the two e search engine and uh, <laughs> okay, yep. All right, we are going to pull out. Oh. Parallax Argus. Huh? Parallax Argus. Okay, we'll do Parallax Argus. <laughs> Only because it's one of my favorite cards of all time, I think. Well, why is it why is it one of your favorite cards? Because uh, it's just fun. I, I'm one of these guys who plays for fun, and I really don't care if I win or lose. I just want to have a good time doing it. And Parallax Arguers was one of the key cards in one of my favorite decks of all time that I ever built, which was the really cool Rainbow Deck of Doom. Okay, you have to explain that. <laughs> the really cool Rainbow Deck of Doom was six homeworlds with, I guess, seven headquarters plus DS9, so eight facilities. Um, every single person in the deck could play for free somewhere. So it was all ambassadors and senators and high council members and whoever all reports for free to all the different homeworlds or headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, including, I think, uh, 
Quark to play for free the Quark's bar, and I think Rom does as well, I don't remember now, but basically every, you know, I said I had eight facilities in there, and people playing free to all of them. Um, and then I had all the treaties that those people could download. Basically every card in the entire deck could be downloaded into play, or play for free somewhere. Um, except then, of course, to actually get all these cards into hand, since I could play theoretically eight or more cards in one turn, um, I had something like 20 Kivas Vajos in the deck. And then I had 20 Parallax Arguers to let the Kivas Vajos play for free as well. Um, so every turn was just, okay, I drop a handful of cards, I play Kivas Vajos, my card play to draw, play a few more cards, start playing Parallax Arguers to either score points, or play more Cubus Fajos for more draws and try to get the whole thing working. And I think I may have, the entire time I was playing it, I may have won one game with it, but it was just a hell of a lot of fun to play. Oh, that just sounds good. I want to try that now. <laughs> I, I actually, that was one of the very first decks I put into the 1E deck builder when I was testing it out, trying to get everything working. I tried to see how well I could recreate it, and I updated a bit with some of the newer cards that play for free to the, the homeworlds or the headquarters. Um, but that, that was one of the very first decks that went into the 1E deck builder, is me trying to recreate it. I don't think I quite have... It, it doesn't feel quite right yet. I don't think I quite have the balance down properly, but you, you get the general idea of it from looking at that. Oh. Parallax Arguers is one of those cards that it's a quintessential one e card. And yes. it, it it's just it's you know, if that was cool, score five points. That's just you don't see that in card games anymore. No, and you definitely don't see it in two E because <laughs> it's that you know two E has flavor in the lore, one E has flavor in the game text, especially in the first three or four sets. Um things like the Klingon Death Gale yell to one the dead is in the game text. Yeah, um, that looks like it was. If that was cool, if you just argued, you know, it's it's flavor in the game text, which is something you just don't find that often. And I think that was one of the things I love so much about it. Oh, it's it's got a share of problems, but I, oh, I think sure. ask Dan Hammond sometime to tell you the story about him uh, getting in trouble at a venue for yelling <laughs> the Klingon Death Yell, but he he was playing a Klingon uh, well, Death Yell deck. Yep. So he got yelled at, but then he had to keep playing the card to make his deck work and his opponent uh -huh. would make him yell so I was I have to ask him that story sometime or if we ever have him back on the show I'll see if I can get him to tell it but yeah Parallax Arguers is a great card and uh really a lot of fun so I know I think it was actually when we did the uh 15th anniversary set where we had each designer make one card um and, you know, most of us were picking our, our favorite 1E cards um, to try to remake. And that, that was my first my first attempt was to try to remake Parallax Arguers. But it just doesn't work in 2E because of that flavor game text that just doesn't translate. Yeah. So I, I think I tried for the first two or three rounds and then just had to throw it out because it just wasn't working. If I tried to, I, you know, I couldn't translate the flavor of it at all. You know, if I tried to translate the function, it just lost all the fun. It just became a fairly vanilla card, and so I just had to throw it out and uh, went with Exocomp instead, because that was another one of my favorite cards. But And hey, Exocomp but, yeah. is a 
valuable card. I've seen it played in a lot of tournaments. So. Oh, exactly. Uh, I had fun making that one too because uh, one of my old friends from early, early in the in the game, um, from the the other website I was talking about earlier, uh, she had an Exocompa deck that was uh, had all sorts of Exocomps, and she named each of them and like actually wrote names on them, and she had collected at one point like 50 copies of the Exocom code and each one had a different name and she knew all their names and everything just because it was sort of a fun thing. Outstanding. Um, so so I made my Exocom code in tribute to her and also because at the time Crude was going crazy and I was getting tired of people complaining about Crude so I figured maybe I can help that a little. Yeah, I, I, I did see it get played at North American Connells in a Voyager deck too. Give Voyager a fighting chance against Crude. I mean, yeah, exactly. Amber Mitchell was playing it. She she ultimately lost to Ben, who ultimately won. But if 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 not for that card, it would have been a complete mismatch. And that card gave her a fighting chance. So, yep. Yep. all right, Chris, is there anything you want to ask me, or any topic you want to talk about that we didn't bring up? Uh, not that I can think of. Alright, well in that case, we will be done for this week. Thank you for joining me, Chris. And no everybody out there, have, have a good week. Yep. see ya. Good monkey, very simple man. The big, warm, fuzzy, secret heart. Code monkey like you.